Namaste everyone. Welcome back to the session on Yoga Sutra. Let us begin with an invocation. Om Yogena Chittasya Padena Vacham Malam Sharirasya Chavaitya Kena Yopakarotamam pravaram muninam Patanjalim pranjalirana dosmi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hariyom Let us pray, uh, pay our respects to Maharishi Patanjali who has given this wonderful system of knowledge and practice so that we have a clear chitta and a deep experience of samadhi and eventually attain kaivalya through this. We have been looking at various sutras one by one and also delving deeper into the translations of uh, Vyasa Maharishi or the commentaries on Vyasa Maharishi and uh, Vachaspati Mishra's additional comments on that and uh, also insights from Vinyana Bhikshu's translations and commentaries, of course. Each of these uh, commentators present, uh, you know, unique perspectives and they also corroborate uh, each other's insights as well, which make the oh, understanding very holistic that way. Now let us chant the sutras. <coughs> Chanting the sutras help to really, you know, sort of bring out the perspective, uh, you know, clarity in pronunciation and also they help to link the sutras. Uh, namaste. Sorry, I had to just uh, take an important call. I had to pause briefly. So let us chant the sutras. Athayoganushasanam Yogaschitta vritti nirodhaha Tadadrashtusvarupevasthanam Vritti sarupyamitaratra Vrittayaf panchatayaklishtaklishtaha Pramana viparyaya vikalpa nidras vritayaha Pratyakshanumanagama pramanani Viparyayo mithyanyana matadrupa pratishtam Shabdanyana nupati vastu shunyo vikalpaha Abhava pratyayalambana vrittir nidra Anubhuta vishayasam pramoshas vrittihi Abhyasa vairagya bhyam tannirodaha Tatrasthito yetno bhyasaha Satudirghakala nairantarya satkara sevito 
ದೃಢಭೂಮಿ ದೃಷ್ಟಾನುಶ್ರವಿಕ ವಿಷಯ ವಿತೃಷ್ಣಸಿಕಾರ ಸಂಜ್ಞಾ ವೈರಾಗ್ಯ ತತ್ಪರಂ ಪುರುಷಖ್ಯಾತೈತೃಷ್ಣ್ಯ ವಿತರ್ಕ ವಿಚಾರಾನಂದಸ್ಮಿತುಗಮತ್ ಸಂಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾತ ವಿತರ್ಕ ವಿಚಾರಾನಂದಸ್ಮಿತುಗಮತ್ ಸಂಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾತ ವಿರಾಮ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಯಾಭ್ಯಾಸಪೂರ್ವ ಸಂಸ್ಕಾರಶೇಷೋನ್ಯ ವಿರಾಮ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಯಾಭ್ಯಾಸಪೂರ್ವ ಸಂಸ್ಕಾರಶೇಷೋನ್ಯ ವಿ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಬೀನ್ ಲುಕಿಂಗ್ ಎಟ್ ದೀಸ್ ಸೂತ್ರಸ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಪಾಸ್ಟ್ ಸೆಷನ್ಸ್ ವೇರ್ ವಿ ಸ್ಪೋಕ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಯೋಗ ಆಸ್ ದಿ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಸಮಾಧಿ ಅಂಡ್ ಅದರ್ವೈಸ್ when we are not in the state of yoga being immersed in the vrittis of the pramana viparyaya vikalpa nidra and smriti the right source of knowledge misconception imagination sleep and memory and there are two aspects of stopping these vrittis which is abhyasa and vairagya putting in the effort to quieten the mind is called abhyasa that prayatna that we do in order to quieten the mind is called abhyasa and when do we get established in that practice when we take up something for a sufficiently long period of time without pausing or taking breaks and doing it with a lot of enthusiasm and involvement with devotion then we become established in that particular practice and when we talk about vairagya it is the state when we are not enamored or lured by whatever benefits that arise out of whatever actions we take in this world or whatever benefits that might occur in another world as as well like heaven for that matter we are just grounded in our practice and want to attain only the highest goal not the intermediate goals and that vairagya that arises out of the knowledge of the purusha purusha khyati is called paravairagya and then there is the state of samadhi which is of two kinds one is sampragnata samadhi and asampragnata samadhi so any samadhi which is still accompanied by that iness where there is some thought process there and eventually we go into the details for example if you look at an object we cl- start classifying it this is blue in color this is green in color this is tall short this is round this is square so a lot of classification happens and we try to understand the various qualities of that particular object and the functionalities of that particular object that is vitarka but what happens is that eventually we, when we go deeper into the analysis we understand that they are all made up of those fundamental aspects or elements or that moola prakriti for that matter or the gunas for that matter that is the state of vichara when we go more fundamental into the understanding of the objects around us or the understanding of reality around us 
and then what happens even this subsides and there is a state of calm and there is a certain happiness there when that also goes away there is only the state of iness a pure awareness of the i that is there that is called samprajnata sama these all states <laughs> accompany the samprajnata samadhi where there is still that awareness and uh, when uh, only the latent samskaras remain there, there is no potency over there they don't flower the seed does not grow into a sapling or a plant or a tree the but the seed is still there but it is just latent no potency is there that state is called the you know the samskara shesha only the shesha samskaras are there right so this is what we looked at till now so this uh, is a sort of a representation that i found uh, useful to map some of the sutras otherwise looking at each sutra by sutra we wonder how this is all you know connected we talk about this viktarka vichara ananda and you would see that in the next few sutras uh, it will be sort of uh, one can say mind boggling that way in the sense what what does uh, the uh, author want to convey it will be a little baffling but nevertheless you know through the commentaries and translations we get a better understanding so when you look at the purusha or the individual uh, jeeva it can be there in the yogic state of witness or immersed in the prittis we saw what the prittis are and of course those can be even more detailed uh, you can go into them but in order to achieve a state of the state of the prittis to be uh, sort of you know calm down the mind should be free of the kleshas okay here i have slightly separated the mind here and the vrittis because you will see that you know the per se the deprivation of the kleshas it talks about how it sort of you know affects the mind and all that uh, technically it is just uh, you know the chitta where the vrittis rise and subside but those are also impacted by the kleshas or impurities for example if uh, suppose you have a preference towards something you like a particular class okay then the way you record it in your smriti or memory or the way the memory is created the way the smriti is created would be very different from a situation which you don't like so this kleshas basically form a filter and impede the real experience of life or the true experience of who we are or life or whatever it is so the kleshas include avidha avidya asmita raga dvesha and abhinivesha avidya is the fundamental ignorance which leads to all other kleshas it is the ignorance of the fact that we often attribute you know what you can say permanent uh, you know something temporary we think it is permanent something that gives dukha we think it is giving sukha one can map it to money one can map it to whatever it is even the body for that matter or whatever things that we are very attached to but eventually fade away at that time we truly believe that it is going to be permanent and that believes that these things are permanent these things give me joy is avidya does that mean one cannot enjoy life no not like that but still we know these are transient things time bound which eventually fade away and hence paying so much attention to them being too much attached to them 
is of no use. That is what they want to point out. The asmita is the I-ness. I am the doer. This is mine. I am the one who is, uh, you know, talking about this. I am the project manager. I am the one who delivered this. I am at the center of everything. That I-ness or you know, even it can be called ahamkara for that matter is called asmita. Raga is affinity towards something. I like ice creams. So whatever follows Sukha is Raga. Whatever keeps giving me Sukha, then I get attached to it that I start liking it. That is called Raga. Whatever gives me Dukha, I start having an aversion from it. I don't want to engage with it. Say for example, uh, you know, a tough subject. Many children develop this dvesha towards mathematics because it's so tough, so complex that they eventually don't want to engage with it. Many end up taking pure science for that matter. So that is dvesha. Because of the way it is taught or because of the content itself or it could be their own swabhava, whatever reason, many people hate certain subjects. They develop dvesha from certain subjects which prevents them from taking it up further. Later on, they might regret it. We never know. But that preference, that hatred or dvesha towards a particular subject changes their life course, right? If they had liked that particular subject, they would have probably, you know, taken up, uh, uh, say, engineering for that matter. But if they don't like it, probably they would become a doctor or take up a science major or something like that. Pure science major. So, because of this Raga and Dvesha, our life paths take a certain course. And those act as filters in how we perceive reality. And Abhinivesha is the fear of death, that is one thing. But holding tightly on to something that we consider near and dear, like our own life for that matter, or our value systems, or our thought processes, ideologies, identities, right? I might carry the identity of, uh, say, for example, I was teaching in a university. I was a professor there. So everybody addresses me as ma'am, ma'am, like that, because I'm a professor. So what happens that identity of the professor is reinforced from morning 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and continuously reinforced by the student group over there. So much so that even after coming home, whatever situation is, I start lecturing about it. I start giving gyan to people or I start advising, free advice I start giving. That's because the identity of that professor is very strong in me. So it means that or and if there is any situation which is a threat to that particular identity, I immediately feel I close that opportunity because it is a threat to the strong identity that I hold and I'm afraid that I might lose that identity in that particular situation. Say for example, Somebody uh, calls me to do seva. Suppose I, I consider a professor who is looked up by, say, hundreds of students. And somebody says, why don't you come and pick up this, uh, you know, garbage that is lying there. We want to do this Swachh Bharat. So what happens? I see the students around me. I, they all look up to me. But now I'm a little shy to go and pick up that garbage. Because I hold this identity near and dear. And in picking up that garbage or cleaning that particular place or probably just sitting on the floor, 
I'm afraid that I might lose that identity that I carry. So in a way, that is a death of that particular identity. So that is also in a way Abhinivesha. But in its translated sense, it is the fear of death, fear of losing oneself. So it is said that even yogis have this particular klesha. That is what is given in the Yoga Sutra. Avidya, Asmita, Ragadvesha and Abhinivesha. And what are the ways to remove these kleshas? It is through Kriya Yoga. It is given there. And also Ashtanga Yoga. Kriya Yoga inverse Tapas Swadhyaya and Ishwara Pranidhana. Is what is Kriya Yoga as defined in the Yoga Sutra. Ashtanga Yoga is Yama Niyama, Asana Pranayama, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana and Samadhi. Yama and Niyama are certain so disciplines and value systems that we need to carry. Say for example, I, uh, I want to uh, you know, say grow a plant. One thing is getting a practical skill of growing that particular plant. But I also need to have the inner attitude to be able to nurture that plant. I need to be a person who pays attention, who gives care and who is compassionate towards other beings in order to ensure that the plant grows from a seed to a sapling to a tree. If I don't have that bhava, even if the soil is good or whatever, if a lot of water is available, but I may not be a person who regularly pours water to the plant because I don't care about it. Right? That could happen easily. So unless and until I have the internal value system to be able to grow that plant, it is not possible to see success in that particular endeavor. So similarly, when one sets out on the path of yoga, one's value systems need to be in place because the yogic process also gives some powers and siddhis, which we would see in the Vibhuti Pada. It could be simple siddhis, need not be, you know, flying in the sky or levitating. It could just be simple siddhis, right? But then one, if one does not have the right set of values, it could lead to, say, one thing is, losing the siddhis or it could lead to misuse of the siddhis or misinterpretation of what is one is going through. And hence, keeping the value system in place is very important. That is why the Ashtanga Yoga system talks very, uh, important, you know, gives a lot of emphasis to yama and niyama. Asana is a comfortable posture. It could be a sitting posture, standing posture or different posture that one learns through the process. And uh, Maharishi Patanjali adds that it's not just the posture, but cool, you know, putting in that cool effort. Or one can say that, uh, you know, letting go of that strong effort and focusing on the infinite, focusing on the larger purpose, just being cool within is also, uh, also contributes to the stability of the asana. Prayatna Shaitilyananta Samapatibhya. Prayatna Shaitilyan means just relaxing that effort. Otherwise, one is like, you know, hard and putting in hard effort to achieve a particular posture. But you would see that when you just let go of that, you automatically become stable in that particular posture. So that letting go is also important. Pranayama is the modification of the breath, which is you have the inhalation, exhalation and holding of the breath. 
the holding of the breath is called kumbhaka pratyahara is the withdrawal of the senses inward otherwise we are always perceiving through the senses the outer world such that we don't have any time or scope to perceive what is happening inside pratyahara is basically withdrawal of the senses dharana is concentration on a particular uh, you can say thought or an idea or holding something in your chitta for example suppose you take an object right and then uh, you take it and then you stretch your hand and hold that particular object after a while say for example a minute holding it for a minute itself can be very straining you can try this after the class you take your mobile phone just stretch your arm and try to hold the mobile phone for some time it can be quite difficult after a minute or so it starts aching a lot so just like the physical muscles start aching and then we want to let go of it complex cognitive thoughts can be very difficult to hold in the chitta something as deep as samadhi or even even for that matter the visualization of the image of the guru or devata whatever it is it is very difficult to hold in the chitta so the support of asana pranayama pratyahara all that eventually lead to the state of dharana which is holding something in the chitta without that difficulty or without that effort but once you are able to hold it when there is continuous awareness of that particular object it is called dhyana when the flow is continuous it is often compared to a state like for example you pour oil on the floor water falls like droplets right but oil falls in a very continuous manner even like uh, you know honey for that matter because of its viscosity it just flows it is one strand that flows so when that awareness is so continuous then it is called dhyana and that state of deep absorption is called samadhi so these this process of ashtanga yoga removes the impurities of the mind but the mind is also affected by a lot of obstacles uh, which is called antaraya vyadhi styana samshaya avirati bhranti darshana alabdha bhumikatva and all those things we'll look at in the later sutras those have to also be removed right just as the glaciers affect there are a lot of obstacles also and how it is removed it is through a different set of steps that maharishi patanjali talks about like for example holding on to one principle ekatva abhyasah appropriate emotion based on circumstances and people maitri karuna madito upekshanam sukha dukha punya punya vishayana bhavanartha chitta prasadanam focus on exhalation and retention prachardhana vidharana abhyam va pranasya like that there are different aspects or different ways to remove these obstacles and in fact he gives us a choice okay if you feel none of this works whatever you choose choose one process which you like the most or which you have invented on your own yathapi matad dhyanatva whatever is your favorite whatever you feel like doing at that point in time choose that and then that is a way to control the mind or control the obstacles to the mind or remove these obstacles right and then achieve a calm mind achieve a steady mind okay so this is this is a broad map 
to give you because as we delve deeper into the sutras this larger perspective we start losing larger perspective of why we are discussing this whole thing because the other day we were looking at cognition then we went to pramana pratyaksha anumana we looked at all these knowledge systems nyaya sutras and all that but then we'll have to again zoom out and then see the larger perspective oh these are the vrittis they have to be still in order to achieve the state of yoga so that's why i thought i thought this picture might help right let's proceed further so the next sutra we had looked at the last sutra that we had looked at was viram pratyaya abhyasa purvaha samskara sheshonya भव प्रत्ययो विदेह प्रकृति लयानाम भव प्रत्ययो विदेह प्रकृति लयानाम दिस विदेहस एंड प्रकृति लयस दीज आर टू कैटेगरीज ऑफ बीइंग्स वन कैन से दे आर स्पोकन अबाउट इन अ लिटिल बिट अबाउट इन द सांख्य कारिका एज वेल इन इन टर्म्स ऑफ वैराग्य ओके व्हेन दे टॉक अबाउट वैराग्य इट्स मेंशनड देयर बट नेवरथेलेस the videhas are disembodied beings okay and prakriti layas are the one who identify with the mula prakriti okay so if you see the saksam pragyata samadhi um, don't worry if it doesn't make sense but anyway this sutra is you know it goes in a progression so we are looking at this without skipping this but maybe at a later point in time we'll come back to some of these dimensions probably whatever you understand at this point in time it's still okay right so the sampragyata samadhi involves uh, you know sort of decoupling of the purusha from the prakriti this is what we looked at as the state of kaivalya but however what happens is that the these beings called videhas and prakriti layas who do not have a body and who identify themselves with prakriti they are somewhere stranded right at various heights of supernormal attainments because they have done some they have invested in the yogic path but still haven't attained the state of asampragnata samadhi but are also not in the body they have attained to various states right so it's a progression basically they have attained to some state but just that they are not in their body and still have the possibility to go to higher and higher stages but at the same time they also have some seed samskaras which may create their birth again so bhava pratyaya is because they are born out of from the state of that prakriti they can come and come back into existence this bhava pratyaya there are multiple translations to it okay so one is identification with the prakriti is what they say or the prakriti is the cause of their birth many such explanations are given but we can just broadly understand that there there are some samskaras which enable their coming back to this samsara but still they have attained to good states but they are not currently embodied so these are different kinds of beings so the videhas are often compared to the celestial beings right can be looked at various celestial beings you have the gandharvas and many such beings you have who attain to different high states but still have certain seed samskaras right uh when we say disembodied it means that the body that the earthly body here okay the earthly bodies 
body that we have which comes through the various uh, you know the combinations of the panchabhutas and all that and how uh, these the rajas tamas and sattva come together a play of the gunas happen and then we get this body you have the nyanendriya you have the karmendriya and then you have the uh, you know the actual uh, you know the anamaya kosha right which is the earthly body so they may not be in the earthly bodies they are celestial beings right so they have not attained a sampragya as a samadhi because they identify with the different aspects of creation though they are without a body so for example one may be identified with the body we are currently on earth and then we identify with the body right some but some there may be some yogis amongst us who are not exactly identified with the body but they may be identified with something else there are so many evolutions of prakriti right they might be in in the ladder they might be at some position identifying with different aspects of prakriti or they might be identified with the moola prakriti itself where they have merged with the moola prakriti but still at that particular state the state which is founded on ignorance is prakriti laya at death such a person is not liberated but is merged into the eight avalyas of prakriti pradhana that is moola prakriti from there he atte he can return to he may return to samsara which is bhava pratyaya birth happens from that particular state so they are yet to fully attain yogis right they are yet to fully attain not yet fully attain whose chitta vrittis have subsided attained good states nevertheless but yet to achieve that final state the latent potencies still remain that is what it's spoken about so this, this there are multiple translations of uh, this the 24 evolutions of prakriti uh you know we have looked at uh, in the previous uh, session in terms of you know you have the mahat you have the ahamkara you have uh, the gunas then you have the tanmatras then uh, you have the panchabhutas the nyanendriya karmendriya manas and buddhi all that those include you know the 24 evolutions of prakriti all that come from the prakriti right so what happens is that uh, you know the when the pralaya or the dissolution happens then uh, the folding into each layer happens for example at the lowest level whatever is there it folds into the previous level like that dissolution dissolution happens and final it goes into the moola prakriti itself such that only the prakriti is existing right from there later on probably some seed samskaras will there from which the entire creation can actually come out right because without that prior samskaras or without that seed samskaras how can this new creation again happen there should be some memory of it right some template of it something that is left the traces should be still left over there for the next round of creation to happen right so similarly to us also it happens we can be identified with the body or with the mind or with the indriyas or with the buddhi like that there are different levels of identification through our different yogic practices we might attain different and it is very difficult to explain now because uh, one can say that only when one is deep into these processes one can get a glimpse of this otherwise it's just theoretical knowledge anyway this theoretical knowledge is helpful but what is this what is that if you ask me it is very difficult to describe in words all that we can say is that it is identification with these different states of or evolutions of prakriti right 
So there are some insights from Vayu Purana, even which is also mentioned in the commentaries, right? So those who identify themselves as being constituted of the Indriyas remain in their state for a period corresponding to 10 Manus. So they remain in that state for 10 Manus and then there is a possibility to come back to creation, I mean, to, into the samsara. But subtler than that, subtle elements, the Panchabhutas or whatever, if they are identified with, then they remain 100 Manus in the same state. If they identify themselves with the Ahamkara, they remain in that state for 1,000 Manus. Those with the Buddhi, 10,000. Those with the Prakriti, that is Prakriti Laya, a full 100,000 Manus. So one may remain identified with and absorbed in extremely subtle dimensions of Prakriti for a very long time, but still it is not eternal because the seed samskaras are there and there is a possibility to come back. So, but then when the Purusha Khyati or the realization of Purusha happens through Asampragnata Samadhi, where that, there is no potency in that seed, then it becomes an eternal process. Looking at the numbers, this sounds so discouraging, right? So, here is the number that I have given. 4,32,000 years, human years is one Kali Yuga. 8,64,000 years is one Vapara Yuga. 12,96,000 is one Treta Yuga. Like that it goes on. And Maha Yuga is 4.32 million years. All these Yugas put together is one Maha Yuga. And 1,000 Maha Yugas is one Kalpa. And one Mantra is one Mantra or one Manu is 71 Maha Yugas. Right. So when you say 10 Manus, it is 710 Mahayugas. So this only emphasizes the need to put in effort in order to transcend these states. So one should not get discouraged because as we go progress through the sutras, Maharishi Patanjali gives a wonderful alternative to the whole thing, which, which now seems more easy and then relevant at this point in time. Right. So Vachaspati Mishra, he gives an analogy of a frog while talking about latent samskaras. How does it flower? So when it rains, all the frogs, suddenly you hear that sound of the frogs. Until then you don't hear them. But when the appropriate condition comes, when it rains, they are all awakened. So similarly, those samskaras get awakened when there is an appropriate situation. So Vinyana Bhikshu but gives us some hope. That these yogis, even though they might be in Prakritilaya or Videha, need not always embody to reach the higher states. From their existing states, if they work enough, so they need not spend the 10 manus and come back to samskaras. During that period, they can work harder there itself in those states and attain to further states. That is what Vinyana Bhikshu talks about by talking about Videhas and Prakritilayas. Right? Let's not go too deep into these sutras because one thing is like, you know, for a practical understanding, they don't help much. But nevertheless, to understand the various dimensions of yoga, these are useful. So the next talks about Shraddha Virya Smriti Samadhi Pragya Purvaka Itaresham. Right? It talks about Shraddha Virya Smriti Samadhi. Right. So here the, the commentary by Vyasa talks about Bhava Pratyaya and Upaya Pratyaya. 
this bhava pratyaya you know has attained so to certain states and is born right so they are born with that particular condition itself because the yogi say for example you have a videha and a prakriti laya they have done attained great states and when they are born into this samskara samsara they still carry those samskaras of having attained those states right and from birth itself they tend to have those things but in order to attain further right one needs to put in that effort that is why it's called upaya pratyaya by taking effort to attain the state in a step by step manner by enshrining the values of shraddha virya smriti and the final absorption state right so faith is like sustains like a benevolent mother it supports the yogi until the very end so deep faith or shraddha is very much needed and this shraddha the faith in our scriptures faith in what the guru says faith in our own growth right yes i am proceeding well on the path of yoga that gives a lot of energy and enthusiasm which is the next one on the list which is virya vigor once we have that faith in that particular system yes it's working yes i have faith in it then we get that energy let me strive further so you put in that energetic endeavor to attain attain that and this what happens is that when you have that vigor there is this constant remembrance of the goal there are two interpretations here there one translation talks about smriti as the calm state of mind right just the mind is very still that is one state that is spoken about but there yeah, there are also other translations that talk about the remembrance of the goal this sounds more logical to me so i have put that particular you know so virya leads to constant remembrance of the goal yes i need to achieve that i need to achieve that and then this leads to undeviated concentration which is samadhi and the ability to discern right pragya which uh, you know and this is followed by asampragyata samadhi right so in order to attain asampragyata samadhi before this you go through all these processes shraddha virya smriti samadhi pragya right all these states you go through before attaining the state of asampragyata samadhi right which is which is a characteristic of upaya pratyaya where you have put in these specific efforts to reach that state it is not by birth itself right even even if it happens by birth after that you put in more effort in order to reach the state of asampragyata samadhi <coughs> the next sutra talks about tivra samveganam asannaha tivra samveganam asannaha tivrata right and then this intensity with the keen intensity whoever takes that effort then the goal becomes very near asannaha becomes proximate near possible that approximation is possible asannaha sometimes is used in the context of mathematics also but here it means that the goal is near proximate possible right so how soon one attains that goal of samadhi depends on one's intensity and keenness the goal becomes very near for those who have high intensity tivra samvegana asannaha but how does uh, and what determines this intensity if you see the samskaras determine one's intensity if one has the positive samskaras 
then the intensity is very high. But if I don't have these samskaras, say I am distracted by numerous things, right? I set a goal, but I am eating whatever I like. I sleep whenever I want to. I I don't engage in any of the positive uh, samskaras that are spoken about. Then the goal becomes very very far. It becomes unattainable. Then later on I regret and then I course correct. But still, uh, what happens? A lot of time has passed because I don't have that intensity and vigor to pursue something. whatever it is it's not just yoga right whatever you take up in life you need this thing so this is a very important sutra to remember teevra samvegana asanaha whether it is yoga whether it is any goal that one wants to attain even if it is a promotion or uh, or a degree or marks or whatever it is this particular sutra is relevant right the intensity with which we do reduces the gap between uh, the current state and the goal to be Attained, right. So, in that, this slightly more, uh, you know, elaboration of that particular sutra, mridumadhyadi matratva tato pi visheshaha. Mridumadhyadi matratva tato pi visheshaha. So, even in this intensity, there are some differentiations, which is mridhu, mild intensity. Then. madhya medium intensity adhimatra which is adhimatratvat is because or from that high intensity right so you have mild intensity medium intensity and high intensity nevertheless it is intensity which takes you closer to your goal right so this high intensity is very important because uh, you know sometimes uh, what we have seen is that even for the yogic practices one thing is to do you know say for example you take up surya namaskar for that matter you do 3 3 3 surya namaskars every day and then you continue that for say a decade right so what happens nevertheless the benefit of those 3 surya namaskars accrues but without that intensity of practice whatever you want to achieve in life through that practice of surya namaskar you may not be able to reap the full benefits of it it is like for example every day you drop 50 paise into the piggy bank or 1 rupee into the piggy bank no doubt at the end of 100 days you have 100 rupees in it but that is only the money that you have at the end of 100 days say for example on a on a two or three particular days you work harder and get say 400 rupees so you get the 100 rupees plus the 400 rupees when you work intensely so you have more in more in your piggy bank at this point in time so similarly with yogic practices practically what we have seen and what we apply at the ashram also there are periods uh, you know these are regular intervals uh, in which we take up these tivra you know practices it could be for example uh, say some people take you know 108 surya namaskars Uh, say twice in a month or one day full of taking up asana practices and trying to master the asanas or taking up say a week long mauna vratha these are all intensive see one can be in mauna for 2 hours every day that is a certain level of intensity could be mild intensity because for some people just mauna itself is an intense process so it could be mridhu intensity but when when one pursues it for a week or so then it becomes a certain higher level of intensity but if one takes it up for a very long time right say for a month or two months or whatever it is 
then it becomes a really highly intense process and then the the, the benefits go exponential you become very very closer to the goal that you have set for yourself so there there could be periods even if you are a student preparing for your exam or if you are a person working in a company or whatever it is the daily effort you put in nevertheless gives you effort but if there are are a few days a few hours where you put in a lot of intensity then the benefits become or the the what you can say the acceleration becomes very fast towards the goal the distance is largely reduced so that is why this intensity is given very high importance in our tradition tibras especially in the yogic tradition it is not a lackadaisical approach to the whole thing but rather an energetic vigorous approach and participation in the whole process right and intensity doesn't mean that you know you'll have to like stand for upside down for 3 hours not like that whatever you have taken up is slightly increase the intensity slightly increase the intensity and see the impact on your body how it is able to take it up and then from there you keep you know going on increasing the intensity until you feel comfortable with it until you also feel motivated to take up more and this is uh, this is uh, you know this is where maharishi patanjali gives us a lot of hope and you saw this data about this manvantra and all that we might be wondering how long will we be roaming as disembodied yogis never attaining whatever we wanted to attain but he says don't have to worry about that if we center our awareness if we are dedicated and devoted to the ishvara then the whole thing is possible in one stroke right ishvara pranidhana dva va is to denote or he says or you focus you dedicate yourself to the ishvara through his devotion through his wish the whole thing becomes attainable rapidly in tamil we say avan arulale avantaal vanangi means we bow down to him only through his grace even bowing down to him his his grace only so whatever we attain it is his grace and when we consciously focus on this grace then what happens the goal becomes nearer and nearer the teevra samvegana whatever we think we are putting that effort need not be our own effort it just happens when it is supplemented with the devotion once it is supplemented with devotion this intensity even a mild intensity can reduce the distance from the goal right such is such is the importance of devotion see people might think is the person is a yogi so why should they need devotion not like that it is a very much a vedic system that adheres to the vedic principles and it's a theistic system which gives shraddha and importance to the ishvara right and then when we have a lot of devotion when we we saw in kriya yoga kriya yoga is tapasvadhyaya ishvara pranidhana when one has so much dedication and devotion and single pointedness towards the guru or devata then the power of the devata accelerates us on the path that is also swadhyaya in a way swadhyaya is nothing but upasana in in reading or reading the scriptures we remember the devata and we show our devotion and dedication to that particular devata and they enable so many things in our lives 
right? Or you can do japa on that devata. They enable so many things because they have, through their own uh, processes, they have attained to those states and a part of it they share with us so that we may also experience those states. That is why the pratishtha is done for different purposes. You know, one, one Lakshmi is called Santana Lakshmi, one Lakshmi is called Aishwarya Lakshmi, many such Lashta Lakshmis are there because each of the Lakshmis provide us with each of those dimensions in life. The Pratishta is done with that particular outcome or benefit in mind. One can go for a generic practice as well, not a problem. But if one has a goal in mind, when one prays to that appropriate Devata, that particular boon or that particular outcome is guaranteed. Right? So this, uh, there is a very interesting uh, story, which probably I will talk to you a bit later. So Ishwara, who is Ishwara? There are different uh, sutras that describe the Ishwara, which we will see in the next class, but nevertheless. So Ishwara is the one who has gone beyond the kleshas and who is beyond the bed, bed of the samskaras and the impact of karma. And in him is the seed of omniscience, right? Unsurpassed seed of omniscience is there in the Ishvara. He, he is the know-all. He knows everything that is only through that knowledge this entire creation can happen, right? So knowledge of everything is there in the Ishvara. And he is such an ancient teacher, very ancient. He is the teacher of all the teachers and because he is not impacted by time. Eternally relevant and very, very ancient and he is denoted by the sound Om. Tasyavachakaf Pranavaha. He is denoted by the sound Om. This is what the Yoga Sutra <coughs> talk about Ishvara. There are other texts also. For example, the Tattva Bodha talks about the Ishvara and the manifestations of the Ishvara through the Maya Shakti of Ishvara. Whatever we engage in with is because of Avidya. The Ishwara engages through Maya Shakti, which we all sort of are immersed into, right? So this, uh, you know, there is this beautiful story that comes in the Mahabharata, which we often narrate to people. So there is this uh, Brahmana who wants uh, to attain a lot of wealth. <coughs> so he prays to Devatas, to various deities he prays. But then he sees that uh, he is not attaining that particular uh, goal. He is not attaining this wealth that he wants to. Then he is just wondering which Devata shall I pray. And to his awareness comes the Kundadhara, which is the cloud Devata. And he prays to Kundadhara that may he attain, you know, give me, bestow me with all the wealth so that I may be prosperous. And uh, Kundadhara is very impressed with the devotion of the Brahmana. And uh, he goes to the various lokas and then he you know, petitions that this Brahmana be given wealth. So Manibhadra is there. He asks Manibhadra, can you give Brahmana the highest wealth? So Manibhadra says, yes, let this Brahmana have a lot of jewels and gems. Let him be prosperous, wonderful dresses. Let him be prosperous. Then Kundadra says that, see, this wealth and money and everything is there nevertheless. But whatever is the true wealth for that Brahmana, please bestow him with that. 
Then again, Mani Bhadra says, let him get this, this, this. He says, no, no, let give him the true wealth. And Mani Bhadra is very happy with what Kundhadra talks about his devotee. He says that because you have presented it in such a wonderful manner, I will give him what is truly is, let him attain to what you can say, a state of Vairagya or let him know his himself. That is what he states. So at that very moment, what happens that that Brahmana who is there on the earth, the very moment he is granted this particular boon, reflects on his life and then he feels, why am I even running behind this wealth and all that? I have no interest in this. And then he goes into the forest and uh, he, you know, he sort of takes up a vrata there. First he subsists on whatever is there in the forest then few drops of water, just leaves and then nothing and then he does katora tapasya. And uh, it so happens that Manibhadra happens to pass through that forest and then this Brahmana uh, has a darshan of the, sorry, not Manibhadra, the Kundadra passes through the forest and uh, the Brahmana has a darshan of that. And uh, Kundadra says, because of your, you know, subtle nature and your tapasya, you have uh, had a darshan of me. Then he asks, you know, at that time, I remember asking for wealth and all that. But, uh, you know, you never seem to listen to me. He says, no, 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 that was not the case. He says, you got what is truly wealth for you. He, then uh, the Brahmana acknowledges that, yes, this is the true wealth. And I really am thankful for you to have bestowed me this wealth. So if you see that through one's own effort is one thing. But when we combine it with Ishwara Pranidhana, the goal becomes very near and we might in fact get benefits that we didn't really imagine that we would get. So with this, let us pray to the Ishwara that he bestows us with the Tivra and the, the Vega also so that we might get closer and closer to the goal that we want to achieve in life. Let us end with a prayer. ಲೋಕಸಮಸ್ತಾಸುಖಿನೋಸ್ತಾಸುಖಿನೋಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ